Happy Hour episode 15, and the topic of today's show is Fall, Fridays, Freedom, and the Freak Show. <laughs> and we're obviously, obviously, it's because this is the first Friday in fall, and we're going to be talking about freedom um, that has to do with our special guest, Aaron Kyle Metters. And our sponsored alcohol is, it's actually wine today, it's the Freak Show. It's from the mic, it's called, it's the Freak Show, and I'm going to put a bottle of this on all of our social media you guys will be following us it's literally the old school freak show um on the on the label it's pretty cool it's from the michael david winery in lodi california it's a cabernet and we're going to get to the freak show part in a second um <laughs> as we're talking about freedom because the uh tone of today's uh show is obviously aaron's work in politics so uh real quickly aaron you've got you're, you've got a lot going on, and I know that you are, you've done so, so much in both local, state, and national politics. So um, why don't you start, start off by giving us about two minutes about, um, a little bit about your background. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, I am, I'm a Hoosier, born and raised. Um, love my state, love my people that I work with here. Oh, everyone, um, I'm going to pause there. I'm going to pause there real quickly because some people might not know what a Hoosier is. And if uh, you can hear that clearly, it's not a Hooter. Not a Hooter, a Hoosier. Um, a so we Hoosier. But we don't know what it means. We just call ourselves that. It's just fun. Um, I, I'm married. I have two wonderful children. Um, I got my degree from Indiana University. Um, I work... I, <laughs> I've worked in many different fields. Um, I was lucky enough to be recruited into an organization that fights legislation. Um, so, and they actually found me because of my local passion, which was great. So, um, I didn't start in politics, never actually intended to, and because I, I found my voice, my passion ended up there. That's awesome, awesome. And I actually do know why they call them Hoosier. Well, this is what I heard. So I actually, I went to a high school in Indiana. It's because it, the legend is, and this might be true or not, uh, the legend is when people got out there, it was who's here, and there was no one there in the state of Indiana. Now that might be that might be a myth. No, I I drive the roads here. There, I, I can barely ever find anyone. It's just me all the time. And you're 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 in more like Southern Indiana, kind of like um, kind of around Bloomington, right? I am Southern Indiana. I am halfway between um, Indianapolis and Louisville. Okay. Um, Depends on how you say it. <laughs> um, some people say Louisville. Some people say Louisville. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. All right. Awesome. And so, so we're gonna get. Well, let's first get started. Are you working on any camp? Are you working? Uh, you know, we've got an election coming up here. Really, um, gosh, in what? It's coming up, and st- there's some local elections. There's elections going on all around the country. Yeah, um, I actually I'm running for township board myself. Um, so I've I've got my own campaign going on. Um, I'm working on a county or sorry, a county council campaign in the next county over, Tommy Brown. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah, yes. I'm working on that campaign as well. So <laughs> all right. Writing. All right, all right. All right. Um, I am also um, doing some work, um, some little bit of work here and there for some of the people I absolutely adore. Lucy Brenton, she's running for U.S. Senate here against Brom and Donnelly, um, as well as, oh, <laughs> 
I've done a little bit of work for some others in other states, but my favorite one, my one that's near and dear to my heart, is our Secretary of State race here in Indiana with Mark Rutherford. It is one that I want to see make some amazing goals for us libertarians here in Indiana. Great, and he's running for Secretary of State? Yes, yes he is. Okay, great, and now I've actually, I, so I remember um, we did an interview with another uh, libertarian candidate from Florida. Why, okay, we're gonna get into like the mess it is Republicans and Democrats. Um, why do you think that libertarians have a chance to take things over at state, local, fed, hopefully federal, you never know who we're going to see for president. Uh, why do you think that uh, libertarians have a chance to really kind of take it over here coming up in the next um, you know, few years, next few elections? Well, what I see um, through what I do um, is a trend. And what the trend is, is people are becoming very sick and tired of the, the battling back and forth. So I've got to win. I've got to beat this guy, this guy's worse than me. Um, they're tired of just the bickering and the fighting and the childishness. They're seeing the hypocrisy of the duopoly. Um, they realize that even if you have a Republican majority in your state, you're getting overtaxed. And even if you have a um, Democratic majority in your state, you're not equal and you're not being treated fairly. So I think people are really starting to see that. They're just they're just so apathetic right now that they're not fighting back. We have to help them find that fire. And when you find that fire inside them, when you find that thing that makes them go, this is worth fighting for, we'll get them. That's awesome, awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, it's basically two sides of the same coin. And that's why I don't think, I don't know if people really realize that. And that's the, part of the, uh, you know, part of the thing, part of the issue is that nobody's, you know, I think it's what they say, that they're both, like, looking out for their own best interests. Nobody, nobody's really looking out for people anymore. And so that's, um, you know, and so explain to the, people, to the viewers, who, um, to the listeners, I keep saying viewers, <laughs> listeners who don't know, can you explain a little bit about um, what you think, uh, just explain a little bit about libertarian principles, because some people are like, well, is it Republicans, is it Democrats, a little bit of both? And I always try to, you know, I try to film that diagram of, um, you know, where it kind of, it meets in the middle. So can you just like explain a little bit, um, maybe comparing, contrasting a little bit to just basic Democrats and Republicans, just the traditional views and stuff? Well, um, so a lot of times I hear that um, from Republicans we're just Democrats light or from Democrats we're just Republican light or whatever it might be. Um, they're, they're paraphrasing of it. And, and they say that it, like it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, they do. They say it's like a bad thing. And you know what's funny is we're not sitting there telling them they should run for office. Office. We're not sitting there telling them they should be on the ballot. We're not sitting there telling them that we're not going to work with them. You know, we want to be a part. We want to be a part of the mix. We want to be at the table with them. Yeah. Um, I think the difficulty is that because people assume about us, they just assume certain things. Um, they don't really know our principles and our values. Um, so they assume that we're just one side or the other, or we're just, my favorite one is you're just sitting on the fence. Um, <laughs> and well, maybe, when I say favorite, maybe it's not such a big in the middle, a fence in the middle, right? <laughs> I, when I hear that, I say it's my favorite in a sarcastic way, because for me, it's kind of, um, it's kind of degrading, kind of like, we have to be one or the other. And um, I kind of the political parties as kind of a rainbow. But the interesting thing about the United States is there are 52 affiliated parties in our country, and only two get 
any kind of funding, and they made it that way. So in reality, we have a 52-colored rainbow, and we could choose the past one, and we can choose a 53rd, which would be independent. Yeah. Um, but all they're offering us is the black and white, and they say you can't be gray. You can't be any variations of any colors. You have to be black and white. So I don't like to use any... I personally don't like to use any kind of Republican or Democratic rhetoric when I'm talking with people. Um, okay, when so what, okay, talking so about, let me rephrase the question. What are, okay, what are, some, what are some of the main... So, like, what's the no, main? no, no. So what I actually use is um, the golden rule. Okay. That's what the parentism to me. It's very simple, and when I talk about our principles and our values, I literally just bring it down to four sentences. Don't hurt, don't steal... Treat your neighbor the way they want to be treated. Mind your business. That's pretty pretty good. I mean, I don't, I don't I don't know how anyone can logically argue with you, but of course there are. So what are so so those are those are great um, things. So what are some what are some key like uh, how does libertarians and I know the answers, but I'm like looking to hear it from you. How does libertarianism how does it stand on the main issues? For example, um, legalization of marijuana, um, abortion, taxes, um, death penalty. Ex- Death penalty, um, gay marriage, all like the main issues that we're dealing with right, we're kind of seeing right now. Trade, um, borders, immigration. How does how do libertarians feel about the main issues right now? I think the libertarians feel number one, government should have no control over them. Um, it is a moral situation in almost every every single one of those um, ideologies. Right. Uh, that is our that is our basis for everything. Um, we don't have a right to tell people what they can do with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't. We shouldn't have a right to tell people what they can do with their money, um, or how to raise their families. Again, as long as they're not hurting or stealing from anyone. Right. Right. You can't. You can't. You need to mind your business. Um, so I think what we do when we see well, what's interesting about all those things. Those are the big trending things. Libertarians, because we do have influence. And because we're still very principled, um, we do tend to influence the, the important things. Yeah. Um, decriminalization of marijuana, um, sex work becoming um, decriminalized as well, too. Um, for, for adults, for consenting adults. Right. For consenting yes. adults, yes. yes. Um, 100% consenting adults. Um, when you have issues like those things, it's because we are so principled that we're going to push back every time. Yes. Yes. Um, we're able to influence politicians and it's because we're not apathetic because we're paying attention right right and um i know it's a lot of libertarians there's there's it's not more you know you see these republicans and democrats and stuff on the uh on social media it's like they are die hard 100 percent always either either siding with the republican or siding with the democrat like there is no they don't want to hear the other side they don't want to listen to the other side they do not want anything that's they don't want and they don't want to hear anything else. They want they are gonna hard line with what they believe. Like if Trump says something, it is golden. It's either golden or it's completely fake. Like that's the, that's what I hear. It's like Trump Trump says something and it's either it is the gospel truth or it is a hundred percent fake. I think that libertarians more um I kind of are, are able to understand, well, you know, there's there's there you've gotta it's it's a lot more complex than that. Um so as far as how do you how would you say libertarians feel about um, how do you feel libertarians feel about immigration? Because that's a hot, fun topic. Well, um, immigration, it, it is very much a hot, fun topic. I think that we're coming, not we, but the general public is coming at it in one angle. 
libertarians see it in another angle. And there's a thousand different angles. Um, some right. libertarians yeah. are open borders. Some libertarians are for the wall. I'd say the majority of libertarians, the, the medium, um, we're looking at immigration reform. And I think that's something yeah. that we do with everyone. It, it should be as, as simple as I want to come to America or I want yeah. to come to, you know, from wherever you're coming from, I want to be a productive individual. You fill out the application. You yeah. have to go to the residence. You have to give a job. You have a social worker. You have someone checking in on you. You, you don't get any of the, the, the freebies, as freebies. people like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you cannot, I mean, you can't break laws. You're going to, and I don't mean like... Like a probate, like a probation, like a probationary period. Yeah, like we go when you start a new job, you have a probationary period. Yeah, and and, and applying it to everybody, though, because you can't then you know you, if you're if you apply the same thing to everybody, you got someone comes from India, England, Mexico, Honduras, whatever, they all have to do the same thing. And I think that way you can't be accused of being oh this is racist, this is what or whatever, whatever. Somebody immigrates from Canada, they're going to go through the exact same thing as somebody from Guatemala. And I think that that's what people. I think that that's one of the things that libertarians, you know. It, it, it has to be fair. It has to be fair for everybody. And you can't have this whole, it, just like, oh, some immigrants are better than others, this, that, and the other. You know, just being fair to everybody. Our current system is, is, is set up to help people manipulate it. But there are good okay. people who just want to protect their family. And I understand that. I completely uh-huh. do. Um, they, want to, they want to do what's right by them. I would do anything for my family. I, I right. would, I, I really, truly would. Um, but when you have such, uh, such I guess, um, walls to climb <laughs> yeah. um, with the paperwork and the financing, um, they don't have the education and they don't have the financial backing that other people do to, to become citizens, to get green cards. It's a very difficult process. I have a friend who has been um, who has a green card and um, who has a work visa I should I'm sorry a work visa not green card yeah. and um, spent, has spent thousands of dollars every yeah. other year just to continue to be here uh, on top friend, of paying thing, yeah. right? on top of paying taxes and everything uh-huh. else just like yeah. us um, and and it's not I'm not talking like a thousand a year I'm talking right. 15 20,000 she's yep. paying and it's a lot of money. Um, I don't know anyone who has that kind of money. And her and her family go without a lot of things just because of that. Um, but she's working very hard, very hard. So um, it can be reformed. It can be, can be simplified. Um, we just have to think outside that black and white box. Right, right. And I think that a lot of times, you know, you have – and a lot of times what kills me is people conflate the issues of border security and, and immigration. I mean, first of all, the walls, the wall itself, the physical wall is the dumbest idea in the entire world because that's, that's dumb. I mean, it's, 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 gonna, it's impractical. Because, yeah, I mean, and, and what's well, not even about people, people, well, here's the thing, that people think that the, well, I mean, I think that we do need some border security, but it's because if you think all, if people think that all that's coming across is, hardworking people looking for a better life, you know what, then I've got them some oceanfront property, you know, on that Arizona border to sell them, because, you know, we do, we, do, you know, we do need to make sure that, um, I think that this is, for, I mean, I go, to, you know, I go back and forth in Canada and the U.S. a lot, you know, Canada, same thing, you know, they want to know what you're bringing, they want to know who's coming in, they want to know what you're bringing in, and they want to make sure, that, you know, sometimes we'll stop and we'll do the random car searches, you know, the random selections, as we all, like, love, we know, um, 
I think I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy to want to keep drugs, human traffickers, criminals, that kind of stuff out of the country. And I, I think that every country would 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 agree there. We a physical board, a wall though, is a dumb. The physical wall though, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, don't we have drone technology and stuff like that that we could be? I mean, drone technology. But, and we also have another resource that um, I always advocate for. If we really want to make sure our borders are safe and our country is safe, then we need to bring our soldiers back here. We yep. need to bring the military back here. Bring our men and women back here to serve our country and to protect us. Right. Um, that is one of our best resources because they care and they want to make sure we're safe. So let's bring them back here, let them be with their families, and then we'll have secure borders. It is a great compromise. It, that is a real, that is really good. And it's not to say, oh, we don't want, uh, we, we don't want immigrant, you know, immigrants or immigration here. It's just saying, okay, hey, you know what? There has to, you, you can't just, people can't just, people, things, I mean, think about the drugs that come across here. You can't just, you can't just have everything randomly coming across yeah, and I mean, I know that, you know, sure, obviously, as, as libertarians, we kind of um, advocate for, you know, legalization of certain drugs. We're talking about, like, the really bad, like, nothing good comes from the heroin, the meth, that kind of thing. I don't even know. Do they cook meth? Meth comes from here. I don't know. But, like, you know, you just have to, you want to make sure that, you know, you it, you do want to make sure that nothing harmful is coming across. But at the same time, immigration's totally, di immigration's totally different. You could have an open immigration policy but still have secure borders. And I don't think that that's too crazy. And I think that that's where... A lot of times, people just get people who aren't libertarians. They're either like, "What you 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 want to have? Do you want to have patrols down at the border?" Well, yeah, but it's at the same time, oh well, you must be a Republican. Oh, you don't want you you want to have open immigration? Uh, you want to have a better immigration while let people come here? Oh, you must be a Democrat. And that's and what you just said there was a was a great example of the you know how libertarians actually think things through and think from a lot of different angles. And I think that that's one thing that. You know, as hopefully if people start thinking more, they'll start thinking about, you know? Well, I just, like I said, there's, there's many different ways this can be handled. It doesn't have to be no wall or wall. Um, there are many different options. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting, it's always an interesting debate, to be wrong. Yeah. Um, and so now, so here's the one thing I do hear about libertarians. A lot of people think, here's the stereotype that is some crazy, that we are a bunch of crazy Unabomber-ish um, now a lot of a lot of things about racism, which we'll get into that in a second because I think that's the libertarians on principle are, that's the least racist uh, philosophy ever. But you get a lot of people who are there. Oh, it's a bunch of like crazy people living in the mountains who want full anarchy and no government. Um, how would you? How, how would you? And there are you know there's obviously the fringe people. There's fringe, but there's fringe people in every group. You got the crazy Republicans, crazy Democrats, and stuff like that. Um, sometimes the ones who, who give the party a bad name are the ones who shout the loudest, unfortunately. How do you counter that stereotype when, you know, um, pre you know presenting libertarianism? Well, um, you can't, actually. <laughs> um, I know that sounds weird. You can't counteract that because they already have made up their mind. What you would do instead is you tell them, you know what, I'm still going to fight for you regardless of how you feel about me. And then you go out and find those people who have been hurt by government, and you help them, and you show them that there's a different way, and you show them that there's a there's a path, and there are people who are going to fight for freedom and liberty for them. Like I said, you can't you can't fight stereotypes, but you can change the narrative. Right, that and that's a great example. Okay, so let's, let's change the narrative. Right, and we're kind of this is kind of a good opportunity to change the narrative. We're going to kind of dispel some um. 
Can I dispel some myths here? Um, do you think that libertarian do, do libertarians want to have no government? Um, oh, so yes and no, and here's how I say that. Um, for many different reasons, yes and no. <laughs> it's kind of like a pinpoint of them. Um, we there are libertarians in the party who are okay with small government. Um, there are libertarians in the party who want no government. So again, yes and no. Um, the people in, that don't want any government, there's also a variation with them. They realize that you can't just rip that Band-Aid off society, that you have to go inch by inch by inch. Uh, if we start small and continue to work our way back, we can get there. But mm -hmm. it takes time. It's like when you're working with your child to teach them to read. They're not going to start reading right away. Right. You have to show them little bit by little bit. So if we start small, and for me, um, <laughs> my husband uh, makes fun of me for this one. My, my law that if I could repeal immediately would be the seatbelt law. Like, that one, let's get rid of it. It's, it's silly. It's a revenue builder. It really doesn't stop. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's a victimless crime. Um, and it's only a crime because the government does that. So, yeah, we, we want, if we start small, um, such as repealing the silly laws, the, bo the bottom of the barrels, like here in Indiana, there's actually a law where you can't own a pet duck. Like, why is that even on the books? We start small, we rip those band-aids off inch by inch, we show them that there are other things we can do, there's 50 billion different ideas on how to go after a problem, then we're going to start making leeway. So that's, that's how I can say yes and no to both sides of that question. Now talk about government spending. I know libertarians um, obviously uh, are, kind of believe that the government spends too much money. What, if anything, do you think, for now, I mean at least, um, do you think that, what do you think should be cut first as far as government spending goes? We can't, I mean, we can't obviously just go and cut everything, like I said, band-aids and such. Um, so it's kind of hard to say what would you cut first. Um, one of the things I talk about daily is accountability and transparency. And what I'd love to see start happening is candidates at every level running on spending audits. Um, because, for example, uh, in Indiana, there hasn't been spending audits for a long, long time. Um, and it's very much starting to show. Um, and I believe that if candidates did that, if they marketed themselves in that way, and they went to small business owners and landowners, and they talked about that type of issue, um, we could start there. We could see where money is being wasted. Exactly. Um, and then we could start chipping away at the waste. We could get rid of failed programs. That, number one, failed programs. But if we don't know where the failed programs are because they're hiding it, they're not being transparent, they're not being accountable, we can't do anything just yet. We can we can philosophize. Or philosophize. Sorry, we, I'm going to say words that don't even make sense now. Um, we, we, can, we can talk about so many different ideas, but until we actually can start looking at the book, and seeing where every single dime is going, we can't just pick something. So we need to start there, work backwards to work forward.
Got it. Okay. So yeah. So so yeah. I definitely agree because you know you see what is it? They always say like they they put what is they call they put the pork in these bills. We were talking about oh they put you know they put like their pet projects in there. Next thing you know you've got like what'd you say? Yeah, they have riders. Yeah, I know, right? All those riders and just some of the stuff. And there, you're right, this because you know you think about there. It's like, well, what you know, you've seen things like, oh, twenty thousand dollars for um a bathroom remodel project or something like that. And you're like, okay, you know, somebody's pocketing money and somebody's being kicked back. And I do, I do agree. I mean, obviously, I do think it's gonna be hard to take you know take government out of every. You can't just be like, oh, let's just take government out of everything um right away and then to then. To say we're not going to have to have any kind of spending, um, it, 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 or any kind of taxes, especially right away. That that's a little bit ridiculous. But I do, right? I do think that there should be more um, public accountability. What are these billions of dollar bills going to? You know, and uh, how much money has been wasted in you know Iraq, Afghanistan, that kind of stuff? And where did the money go? I think that that's yeah. part of my job. Um... I speak on, you know, I, I speak with small business owners and I talk with them about the things that, you know, that concern them, um, which is spending. And one of the things that we ask here in Indiana is, what are you spending our money on? Um, instead of actually getting lists, we get pie graphs. Oh, wow. It doesn't tell us anything. So... Wait, 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 what is what is, the, what is the pie graph? What's the pie graph show you? What is it like? What's it? What is? I mean, what is it? Um, I mean, basically, you're seeing thirty or fifty percent going to education. This percent's going this. This, that, but you're not seeing where it's actually going. It's just a title. Um, I mean, I could put in there diapers. I mean, who cares? You could be going to so many different things that are just categorizing that group. Um, school. Okay, great. It's going to education. But is it going to administrators? Is it going to teachers? Is it going to the kids? Is it going to books? Is it going to libraries? Where's it actually going? And growing up, my my mom is a retired teacher, so growing up, I grew up in the school system. I, I hung out with teachers. I saw the environment. I, I saw how it was. And my mom spent a lot of her own money to help other the kids in her class. And growing up made me very angry. Um, I didn't realize why she did it, and now I know why, and I'm grateful that she was a person that cared enough that she wanted to do something for the kids. But our our state governments are not spending that money for the kids; they're spending it toward administration. Um, so, just giving me a pie graph that says 50 percent is going to the school, it tells us absolutely nothing. They, nothing, and and there and it's so there so no one so no so once they get the money, it goes to who knows where. That that is you're right. That's very vague because you don't know you don't know where that money went to and you don't and it's probably it could be lying in the pockets of these politicians I and mean, there's so many of them or you know their or their businesses they all these you know business interests and stuff like that so yeah yeah completely completely understand um so that's why we we need to push like i said go go backwards to forwards we start with doing spending audits finding where everything is at crossing every t dotting every i you know being auditors get libertarians um, in auditor position, that's yep. where we need to start. Get libertarians in the township boards, on the city councils, where they're actually working with budgets, where they're working with the very line items that our money is being spent. We get there, we start small, we work our way up. We have to start from the back. Exactly, exactly, and I, I, I completely and 100% agree. Now, this is one I'm going to ask you. This is an interesting one because. 
Now, this is the one thing about libertarians. Now, what we were talking about earlier about the whole philosophy of, you know, the, the government should have no control over my body. Okay, yes, I agree. Grown adults, the grown adult, you know, sound mind and body wants to go, why a ball go away? My dog is being annoying. Um, if, you know, uh, <laughs> if an adult of sound mind and body wants to go shoot themselves up with drugs, have orgies with hookers, um, do, do tattoo themselves, like, do God knows what to themselves, drive without seatbelts, all kind of stuff, as long as, you know, as long as they don't expect, you know, my health insurance to pay for it, that kind of stuff, oh, my taxes to pay for their bad choices, eat fast food, that's another one I can't stand, is all the regulation on fast food, no, the fast food doesn't make you fat, you made yourself fat, but, um, you know, you sit there and you think about all this stuff, okay, yeah, grown adults want to do that, that's one thing, but what about, um, any sort of, uh, I guess you could say it's like laws or regulation to protect children. Now, because, you know, you sit there, you've got children, yes, and you're obviously a competent parent, but you have to think about, I mean, where I live, I, <laughs> I don't think so, yeah. I mean, I see, like, crackheads, like, people are definitely on drugs, they're pushing their kids around, they're begging with their kids, they got, like, they've got no business having kids. My favorite is some of these people are, who have no education whatsoever they're like well i'm gonna homeschool my kid because the government's wrong i mean you're talking about people who who have no business either taking care of kids or schooling kids or anything like that um how i guess what i'm gonna say is i feel like for where i feel i feel like if you deprive a kid of basic education i mean basic basic education learning how to read write do math the basic things that even the worst public schools kind of are going to teach them, you know, if you deprive kids of that, that opportunity, you know, you're, it's like depriving them of food and water because they're going to be 18 and they're not going to be able to function in the real world, but so many libertarians don't see it that way. How do you, how do you, how would you rectify making sure that all kids are still kind of taken care of and have the thing and have, you know, their basic needs, their physical needs, food, water, you know, shelter, all that kind of stuff, as well as their like educational needs, just learning the basics, how to read, write, and all that kind of stuff, being met. How would you? How do you rectify the difference of that? Because some libertarians, you know, think that everyone should just be able to do what they want with their kids. Like they almost see kids as property. I think that that question has a million different answers. Um, I know that sounds very strange, but my way of thinking is not going to be everyone else's way of thinking. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a dictator, so I can't tell you what to do with your kids. Um, <laughs> If you are abusing them, if you're starving them, if they don't have shelter, if they are going without water, if they're going without you know, medicine, go ask for help. It's simple. Please. Come to me. Come to anybody. Libertarians, we're willing to help. That's, that's the great thing. We're willing to, even if it's just to give you a cheese sandwich. Okay, we're not talking about, we're not talking about, the, we're not talking about you guys help, all right? Oh, so, when it comes to things like education, um, schools public schools, schools um, that were, you know, through the government, were supposed to be the last um, line of defense in education. Originally, they were, they were just made available if parents couldn't afford education or homeschool. My mother is extremely intelligent. She could have homeschooled us. Yeah. Um, so that wouldn't have been an issue in my family. Um, so if the community... And most people in a community are so gung-ho about childhood education that they are more than willing to help and donate. I, in the town I live in, the parents planner to volunteer. Right. You, you are on a waiting list at yes. the schools in, in my city okay, to come and volunteer. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay. So there are... 
it, it's a very different it's a it's a very different answer. Like I can't give one answer that's going to fix everything. I'm just, so what I'm saying though is obviously I do think I mean obviously these public schools should I think they should still be around yeah and, and I get it you know people are qualified to to be able to um to be able to teach their kids and that's fine I just when you see these people who are like oh I'm going to homeschool my kid and they can't string together a coherent sentence well what are they're and they're the they're the you know adult in the situation what's their kids gonna what reach to be 16 17 18 years old. And they're not going to have, they're not going to even know how to read, write, do this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of people out there like that. And I think that, like, I, I, I exist in a different world where... You know, I, I, just, uh, I have an interesting story. My son, my son is very, very, very smart. He is very kind and generous. And I love him very, very much. Yeah. Um, he, he had difficulties in school. And his, his mom, his mom... He's not mine biologically, but he is my my kid. I love him. Um, his mother um, was an amazing mom. She did everything she could for him. But I think everyone knew that school was not his thing. Um, so he decided to take a different path. And um, he he got himself his, his, his uh, diploma. He chose to do that when he was older. He chose to then get himself taught to weld. Um, right. But even weld, even welding, even as a welder, he has to still know how to, he still has to know basic reading and writing skills. Even as a welder, yeah. And it, 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 you are, so, so, I think, I think it's for us to say we need to step in. Yeah, when we can see there's issues with families, with children are being abused and they're being neglected, I can, I can, I can understand that. Um, yeah. But the majority of, of, of people are they can learn, and they have a desire to learn, and they have some type of desire to succeed. We can't force people to want to succeed, but if someone wants help, they'll get help. We're, we're talking, say, you know, you got these kids, and they like, they don't have, they don't, they're like being, uh, you're talking about a very uneducated person who doesn't, the, the kid doesn't know, I guess, about maybe about the world beyond you. Know, I think, what, do, do you think that's fair to, to let them turn 18 years old and to not have... Um, to not have those basic skills, and then what? Maybe maybe they'll go to night school, maybe they'll figure it out, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, it, or, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, I, I personally think that, yes, I think people should be allowed to homeschool, but I do still think that there should be some sort of, I don't know, some sort of bench, and not even mentor, just can, can the kid do these basic things, read, write, this kind of stuff? Okay, yeah, so then we can continue to homeschool, but I do, I think that, you know, I, I, same thing with, like, food, water, or shelter. Are you providing these basic needs for your kid? Okay, yes, then, you know. And I guess it's just I probably see it more than you do. You know where you live. I guarantee you don't see crackheads in the street with their, you know. I kids. live in I live in the HIV kind of near the HIV capital of Indiana. Oh really? So you got oh you live that part <laughs> like with with like a lot of meth problems, and drug problems, stuff, right? We have a we have a lot of drug problems. Yes. Um, do I think it's fair that kids are neglected by the parents that to that extent? Do I think it's fair? No, I don't think it's fair. Um, I, but life isn't fair and I don't believe in, I don't believe I, I should make choices for other people that aren't my children. Um, so for me, it's a very, I don't know, it's a very difficult question to answer. Um, and it's because I don't believe in like dictatorships and I don't believe I can just go in and tell people how to raise their kids. Um, I would be, I'd be very upset if someone came and came and told me how to raise mine. Uh, other than their, like, yeah. I think it's more just about um not 
not telling. Yeah, I think more if it's more. I'm not telling. Oh, how do it? Just basically, like, you, you with the things that you you should. Everyone should. You know, maybe this will make me sound like a dictator, where your kids should have food, water, shelter, medical care, and um and basic education. Like your should, kids should know how to read, write. And, yeah. So don't steal, don't hurt. Um, if you're hurting your children by not feeding them, not giving them shelter, not keeping them clean, there's then then there's. Then, then there's an opportunity that we should step in and, and help. Punish? No. Help? Yes. We do nothing by we do nothing good by punishing people. It makes them it makes them do worse and feel worse. Um, but if we step in and say, Hey, what can we do to assist you? We're not going to hand you everything, but we want to help. Um, so I think if we if we look at it in a reform way. Yeah. Okay. Now that's that. That's good. So that leads me next thing. So liber one thing that drew me to libertarianism is the fact that libertarians are kind of generally speaking anti anti welfare. And I'm pretty anti welfare because I obviously see it being abused a lot. I see it being abused by people I grew up with. I see it being abused by people around here. And um, I mean, I think unless it's you know there's people who are disabled, I I personally don't mind my welfare. Someone's disabled, old, whatever. Hey, you know what? That my I don't have a problem. My tax point. And when I see people who are my age or you know or around there, like abusing the system um how do libertarians um how do libertarians plan to solve the welfare problem um well you solve the welfare problem by having funding number one for the government because if they need less money to run they're taking less of our money right um you solve the welfare program by opening up the free market and allowing people to run a business um, um, since I'm a small business advocate, um, I see the benefit of opening up the market and allowing people to run businesses out of their homes, um, right. getting less regulations, um, less taxes on small businesses. Um, that's how you fix the welfare program. Give people opportunities to make themselves a job. Right. And I, well, and I honestly, you know, I, I mean, I think that's, so I, one of, um, what, another girl, she's my, she was one of our um, guests here on earlier podcast. She's one of my best friends. She owns a cleaning service here and she's always looking for employees and she pays pretty well. She pays like 11 12 an hour plus tips. And she'll even, if people don't have rides, she'll come and get them or she'll have someone come and get them, you know, and she's always looking for people to clean houses. You know, you don't have to have any sort of, um, no education whatsoever, and so, and she's, there's all, you know, we see people begging for money on the internet, um, in Salt Lake City out here, we've got, a, like, a, like, a strong economy, there's help wanted signs everywhere, and these are for everything from menial jobs, there was one, there was, uh, there was a farmer's market looking for somebody to pick fruit, you know, menial jobs, the tech jobs, there's so much money, and there's so many jobs out here that can't be filled, there's billboards looking for construction workers and stuff like that. But you've got these people who just, you know, they, they, they just, a lot of them just don't want to work. And now Melissa will tell people, she'll be like, I'll hire you, you know, I'll, I'll, she, she's told these people, I'll even pay you at the end of the day. If you work, you know, if you work six hours, I'll pay you, what's that, like 72 bucks or whatever she said. She'd pay them because, you know, she's seen people, you know, hurting and stuff like that. She's like, I'll pay you $72 at the end of the day. You do one day's work. I will pay you that day. Um, and, and people, they just, they don't want to take it, you know? So I think it's, I think it is, it's one, it's about opening opportunity, but two, it's also got to be about, you know, it's, yes, I'm agreeing, open up opportunity for more businesses, um, open up, you know, um, let people do all kinds of stuff, but two, you've also got to, you've also got to take that, you've got to just take that spending away and be like, okay, enough is enough, you know, you cannot keep living like this, and and I, I think that there, it's, it is, it's a twofold situation, because um, I, in a small business, you know, small business advocate, so tell us, so tell us more about, 
uh, what you do as a small business advocate? Because I think that we have a lot of uh, listeners here who own their own small businesses, a lot of female-owned businesses out here. Well, I work for a national um, non-for-profit organization. It's actually been around for about 75 years. Um, a lot of people call us lobbyists, and I have taken that with a grain of salt because I understand where they're coming from. Um, but at the same time, we're, act- we're advocates. Um, we don't give money to politicians. We don't give money to campaigns. Um, what we do is we give business owners the opportunity to have their voice heard at state and federal level. We go and we testify for them. Um, we testify with them. We advocate for them to come with us. We educate them on what is going on. We send them weekly updates on, on federal and state laws and regulations and things that are changing. We are we we have opportunities for them to um, have legal consultation. We have opportunities for them to um, get complimentary workplace posters so that they stay within the confines of what the government demands of them. Um, but we do that so they don't get fined and have more money taken from them. Um, that's awesome. Kind of, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we um, try to think of us as a legislation, litigation, and HR all in your pocketbook because we have, even have a smart app um, where our small business owners can access um, legislation that's coming up that's going to affect their bottom lines and it's going to hurt the way they hire people and it's going to hurt benefits that you give their people. Um, it's going to hurt their property ownership. It's going to hurt so many different things. We give them backgrounds. We give them cons and pros of bills. We let them. We we even have directors that they can reach out to to ask questions on legislation. Um, I, I my favorite thing is um, we talk about insurance. A lot, a lot of times my business owners talk about health insurance. Always number one um, on their minds. Um, and I always remind them, you know, we are forced to buy um, health insurance, and we've got to get insurance for our cars and for our homes and our businesses. Um, we're kind of like government insurance. Except we're not praying nothing has happened when it comes to the other insurances. Something has already happened, and <laughs> you need someone to protect you. Mm-hmm. And let's right. And you say there's a, say there is a bad legislation that's coming through a state. Um, like Kentucky just passed the service and labor tax. It is devastating for them. The small business owners are going to be hit really hard, especially agriculture and insurance and real estate, because they can't change their prices to accommodate. They're going to have to eat those taxes. So. For those small business owners to hire an attorney to sue the state for those types of legislation, it'll cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the best attorney. Um, so what we do is we work with small business owners to help them hire people, and it costs them a, a fraction, 10% less, of, or 10% of what they'd have to spend. Um, and we, we, we're an organization. We're a co-op. We're a non-for-profit. We do those, those things for them. Because they don't have time to, because they have to take care of their businesses. So we're, like I said, we're litigation, we're HR, we're legislation, we're we're news news source for them. Um, but the biggest thing we are, we're advocates for them. We take, we don't do anything without their say so. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to have a majority of our business owners on on a side of any topic. And it doesn't matter if a Democrat wrote it or a Republican wrote it or an Independent wrote it. If it's bad for small business and our business owners want us to fight for them, we fight for them, regardless. So, now, 
I know the election, now I know elections are coming up. Why is it important? I know we've got still have some more listeners here who are probably not registered to vote. Yours truly did just register to vote. I registered the lady, I was a lady posted up outside the liquor store. And um, and so I registered to vote. Uh, I've, I'm gonna make a confession. I've never voted before. Um, this little, this, I've never voted before. That's my, that's my deep dark confession, confession to our podcast listeners. So um, this is my first voting. It's never too late, yeah. So, uh, well, I'm not that old, but yeah. How, 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 why, would you tell, why do you tell people it's important to register to vote? Uh, so, I think for everybody it's different on why it's important to register to vote. I think you have to have some reason to fight. That's why you register to vote. Um, whether it's, you know, you own a home and you're, t- you're tired of having – you're getting double dipped because you're paying property taxes every year. So you're never going to own your own home. Um, you got to have a reason to vote. Um, for mine, mine is my kids. I want them to have a better future. I want them to have their money in their pocket. I want them to actually own something they buy. And that's why it's important for me. So everybody else has to have a reason. Some people don't have a reason and they choose not to vote because they don't have a reason. And you know what? I'm okay with that too. But everyone, everyone has to find a reason or have a reason they don't. And that's fine. I'm not going to shame someone for that. Right. And, you know, and I mean, I, I, I do. I, I know a lot of people didn't vote in 2016 because they, honest to God, they didn't. They said they didn't like, you know, they didn't like Clinton. They didn't like Trump. And I was sitting there telling you, know, you guys, we got Gary Johnson running, too. I vote, I vote, you know, like I was. I convinced my cousin to write in Gary Johnson to vote for Gary Johnson. He got this ballot. He's like, I'm not going to vote for president. And I was like, vote for Gary Johnson. He's like, all right, cool. I told him a little bit about it. I really, uh, I really got him with the, uh, le- um, you know, legalization of marijuana. So that really, like, yeah, that really, like, kind of like, he's like, all right, checking the box here. So, um, yeah. Um, so I, I do, I can kind of understand that. Now, speaking of Gary Johnson, um, you, um, are you? How excited are you for? Um, do you think he's got a chance? I, I really do think he's got a chance. I do. Um, I, uh, I I'm friends with some people who are working on his campaign. I'm friends with some people who are working in his in the pack for him. Um, he is doing a lot of work. He is absolutely fantastic um, individual, smart, intelligent, humble, kind. Yeah. Um, he he does have a massive opportunity because he's well known there. Um, the, uh, I think the best thing about Gary is that, and the reason I like Gary so much, um, is because when I think of Gary, I think of someone who is afraid of me. And I know that's funny. Why would I think that? Right. I don't want a politician. Right. Because politicians know they control us. Know they own our money. Know they own our property. Know they own our lives. Know that they can make a law and determine how we behave or, well, God, all so many different things. When I see Gary, I see a public servant, someone who realizes that his reputation is based on how he treats us. And that's why I say I think he's afraid of me. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, and it's not in a bad way. It's yeah. because he understands that it's a job. It is yeah. not a position of power. And in any position, in any job, whether it's public servant to a bus driver to a waitress to even myself, yeah, you all, you all, we all have bosses, and yeah. it is our job to be critiqued, 
and to be corrected and to be made better. That's awesome. Okay, so now I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast we were talking about we got the Freak Show Wine here uh, as our sponsor. Um, politics today, kind of a freak show. Um, you've got people who just are. It's like, uh, you okay? It, it's a freak show. We know. We know it's a freak show. How would you kind of? Um, I guess how would you recommend? Do you think it's even possible, I guess, to even kind of bring some sort of dignity and decorum back to politics where people kind of can listen to each other and talk and just have normal have normal dialogue? Like, it seemed like it was, it was you know, four or five years ago, it wasn't like this. Do you think that, and, it, and I don't think you can blame Trump. You can't blame Trump. You can't blame Clinton. You cannot blame a single person for this. Um, Please. So, a so hundred years ago, it wasn't, we we have let me, I, I love growing up I was not told not to talk about politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my grandfather encouraged it and my mother has always known like one of my biggest things is I've always wanted to serve on a jury and I've never served. Me neither. I've always wanted to too and I've never been called. Right, I've always been read so I wanted I wanted to be able to help someone to save their life, to save their future. Um so it was it's that in my family it's never been taboo. I speak with my children about politics. They're very educated and they get to they, and, and we talk with them about facts, not feelings. Um so um so, so oh my gosh, where was I? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um so but for other people it's taboo. They don't talk about it. And so for a hundred years ago, people were just talking about politics out in the open. You know, you could hold people accountable. Gosh, if you got two wound up, someone might get shot. I mean, they were duels, right? Um, but eventually there became a moment when they told you, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion, don't talk about certain things. Um, and you have to sit here and wonder, is that the cause? Because people weren't talking about it outside of certain circles. So they were only talking about politics within people who were like-minded at them. They weren't talking about the different ways we could do things. So because for so long people were told don't talk about politics, they didn't. So you had a lot of people who became apathetic and don't talk about it, don't want to get involved, don't care. Um, And then you've got those circles of people who all think alike. Which is why I don't have an echo chamber around me. I work with Democrats, Republicans, Independents. I am really good friends with the Constitutionalist Party members in Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. We work with the Green Party here. Um, we want to see everyone on the ballot, also on the debate stage. Um, yeah, it's a Green third party debate, yep. When you have more people speaking and more people being heard and more people talking about um, about different options and opportunities and paths and views and then you can hold people more responsible toward their their principles, um, yes. which is how I think we could get back to it if we open up those opportunities. But when we just have two parties controlling who's on the debate stage and ha- and having them control who's on the ballot, um, and they're the only ones having those conversations, and the rest of us are weirdos. Um, until then, it won't change. But in, in Europe, don't they have multiple? Like in Europe, they've got so many more parties, you know. Then yeah. Once we have more inclusion, then then it'll change. But until then, until we say it's not taboo, it needs to be talked about. We need mm-hmm. to have more views and more people talking. Then it won't change. 
cool, cool, cool. Well, now, so now you get the three questions all of our podcast guests get, and that is, well, it's not three questions. It's one question with three answers. <laughs> what are your top three, in, we say top three ingredients, top three ingredients or tips for success? Um, no, it's not the worst thing you're ever going to hear. Mm-hmm. Wear your hair down. Do you want to elaborate? <laughs> like, I'm like sitting here thinking like, elaboration, please. Um, okay, the elaboration on that one. My, my boss, I love my boss. She is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Um, she knows I take my job very seriously. And so she always tells me, just let your hair down. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a fun person. She likes to have fun. Um, so have fun. Let your hair down. Um, you know, you have to have a work-play balance. Let your hair down. Yeah. Have something to fight for. Ooh, that's a good one. Always have something to fight for. It'll make you more successful. That's that is really good. So now I guess so. Then it comes another question. You know, we're talking about like work life balance, and um, um, I think from you know, especially um, this you know this week, I lost someone who's super close to me. I think it's and he was only um, thirty, he was thirty-two years old. You know, you think, man, like life is so short. You know, so many people are just so consumed with. You see the things people are consumed with nowadays. Um, people are consu- some people are consumed with their jobs. Some people are so cons- some people are so consumed with this these stupid bipartisan politics. Just you got they're all you see all these people doing like man they're just posting Trump Clinton Trump Clinton Obama Clinton Trump 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 everything just just all this just repeating the rhetoric of someone else. It's not even their own ideas, and it's just you just wonder like how young I want to tell them just post a selfie for once. God post what you ate for dinner because this is really getting old. How would you, um, I guess, balance, you know, caring, uh, you know, having a cause, whatever that cause may be, because um, everyone's got their own, having a cause with having fun and making sure you're actually living your life and that that cause isn't consuming your life? It's very difficult because I'm, I'm very passionate about my job. Um, I am politics 24-7. Um, so it is very hard. Um, but my family and I are very open communication. Um we, my husband is in radio, so I, I've always called myself the radio widow. Um, he's gone on the weekends. He's always working. He's got uh, ball games. He's got remotes. He's got things he has to do. He's also a um, announcer for a, for a famous speedway here in Indiana. So he's gone a lot. Um, but that's when I'm not when I'm actually home. He's gone. Um, and then when I'm gone, he's he's at home. So it's very difficult to make sure that we have that kind of life, you know, work-home balance. Um, but what we do, and we've done this for a really long time, is we we talk about our days together. We talk That's about awesome. interesting conversations we've had, the bad stuff, the good stuff, um, the stuff in between. We used to work together, so we ha- we built a very strong communication when we worked together. Um, we even instilled this in our, our well, our daughter, our um my nader, um, as I call her, we call Your her what? Nader. <laughs> her, her nickname is Nader. So we, oh, I thought you said neuter, and I'm like, wait, what? what? Nader, we call her Nader. Um, we we have this thing called three a day. She has to tell us three things that she does during her day. I want to know something she learned about her day, whether it was in school or it was just something she personally learned. Well, that's so um, 
right? And then I want to know what she ate for lunch. And normally if I ask her what she ate for lunch, I want to know what, what, who she sat with, who she talked to, who she played with at recess. How, how, old's your, how old's your daughter then? She's 10. Okay. Um, so this is kind of the last year of elementary school for her. But this way I know who her friends are. I know who she's talking to. I know what happens during your day. And she usually always up and up and tells me a lot more. Um, and then I want to know kind of what was something who, what was something that you had that was special that day? Like she's got art class and gym class and music class and all these different things. And So I, there's always something. And I want everything. So I know her life. So I know who she is and who her friends are. And um, she knows she's never going to be in trouble for grades. I, I, <laughs> I, my, again, my mother was a teacher. I know that's very strange that I'm not a big concern about grades. Um, yeah. My mom wanted us to be very successful. My brother and my youngest brother is very, very successful. Um, very smart, very um, amazing wife, amazing kid. They, I, they have set himself for life. I was not the brainiac. Um, that he is. I'm not good with numbers. I get it, but I'm passionate. Uh, right. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not successful in the slightest of what I want to be in my life. Um, but I don't want my kid to ever feel like if she doesn't do good, that she's a failure. Not that my mother ever made me feel like I was a failure. I just knew that academics was not gonna be where I stood. Um, so with my kids, I've always told them a letter, a grade, does not give your character value. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I think, well, I want to obviously thank you for your time, but before we go, are, is there a website that everyone should check out um, as far as your campaign goes? Um, actually, I'm not taking any funding because I'm totally about spending audits and I'm a local <laughs> and I'm literally just my pal. If you're going to fund anything, any kind of candidate on behalf of me, go to um, find Mark Rutherford, check Mark, 2018, I believe, and I'm if I'm totally wrong, I feel really bad. But Mark Rutherford, um, find him on Facebook. He he's really influential in the LP. He's really influential in the LPAN, and we need our 10% to get voter data here in Indiana. It's awesome. huge. Want to know who who is voting Libertarian? So if you can help him, please help Mark. Check Mark. We love him. Okay. All right. Do you have a Twitter uh, that we should follow? Just it's Pyle Aaron P Y L E um, E R I N. That's my name on there. And if anybody is a small business owner and they want to talk about their concerns, thoughts, they can direct message me. Um, and if they want to contact you, you can give them my phone number. Sounds awesome. Okie dokie. All righty. Okay, so we got so you got Pyle Aaron, and we're gonna pull this um, up on the website, up on you know, our website, up on our social media as well. Follow us at Perspiration. And we are, Aaron, we want to thank you. This has been one of the best interviews we've ever had. And, um, and I, I do think we've got, we got a lot of really educated listeners. I think they're going to, I think they're going to be very interested in hearing more because I, I do know a lot of people are sick of this two party system and it's, it just gets worse and worse every day. The freak show gets worse and worse. So here's to cheers, cheers to a new, uh, start with the, uh, this fall season and happy Friday, everyone. Hey. Hey. We off the patrol. Hey. 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 We off the patrol.